0: Welcome to the Blue Collar Barbarians podcast, brought to you by the Collar Barbarians Network, your source for all things savagery. Today we've got a very unique, one of a kind episode from you coming for you for one of my very close friends, Matty Sill. He is a barbarian in rights. This is—I've uh, been excited to do this episode, Matt, because this is not your natural blue collar, right? When I first started this show, I talked to people about how. To me, the, the modern-day version of what blue-collar is has changed. It's entrepreneurial. It's people that are out there grinding, getting after it, aggressively pursuing their career, whatever industry that is, and that I would argue that blue-collar guys are even in white-collar roles now providing jobs for the white-collar folks by creating companies and doing things like that. So this podcast, I'm super excited to do. Matty Sill, welcome to the show, bro. Thank you so much.
1: What's going on, brother? Uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. And yeah, we've definitely been talking for a while. And uh, my schedule is often pretty busy. So it's hard to me, (laughs) hard for me to find time, you know, occasionally or just sitting somewhere on the same time zone as someone. But dude, I'm stoked that we made it happen. We're definitely gonna have to make one happen in person in due time. But this is cool for now. So um, yeah, like you said, blue collar has a lot of different meanings and backgrounds, right? I would say that I kind of sit more in the white collar world, but that's due to my clientele. I wouldn't say pilots in general are white collar. Um, some people would call us a trade, depending on how you look at it, because aviation is very dynamic, right? We have people in crop dusting industries, people in aerial firefighting industries. Um, those are very blue collar societies um, helping agricultural basis like that. Then you have um, people like me in the commercial side of passenger transportation, you have the airline side, and then I'm in the corporate uh, world where we fly for private families or uh, businesses like I do. I fly for a large international business. And uh, But in general, I, I would say the pilot world would be more blue-collar than white-collar. We serve a white-collar community, but, you know, that's usually kind of the definition of blue-collar, right? We're the backbone of the industry to make white-collar succeed. We have to make the well, tools – or, yeah, or use the, the equipment component. to make, sh- <laughs> we're the working class, right? You know, blue yeah. collar is the working class. So, um, yeah, we, we operate the machinery to advance white collar society.
0: Yeah. And dude, that's awesome. I've been excited to pick your brain on this for our audience. Um, just because I mean, me and you, we talk all the time. you you have some of the coolest photos doing just the most random places. You know, one time I talked to you, you might be in the South Pacific, another time you're on the East Coast, and then I talk to you and you're on your on the way with your boat to somewhere in Malibu or something, you know like <laughs> you're just you are all over, my friend, but I love it uh, i've I've loved watching your journey. It's been fun and uh, I also on behalf of the show and our staff um, uh, my partners in the show, I just want to take a second to tell you thank you for all your support that you've given us. Um, a lot of people don't know, but you've been in the background helping me tremendously um, just working on show sponsor stuff and getting people involved and being able to bring people giveaway items and things like that. And I just I just really want to thank you for for helping and for committing to just being a badass friend really, dude. I just really appreciate that about you. I, I have since we met. So thank you sincerely.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, that's something I've always kind of learned since I was a kid. You know, this is the way I was brought up is. Um, if you have something to offer, you know, why not help someone else? Why keep it for yourself? You know, if you're able to help a friend with something or you have a connection, like I'm no one to hide that connection. If you're, if you're a buddy of mine or whatever, you know, I'm more than happy to share my resources with you because that's honestly how I got to where I was at in my career. Other people knew someone in some spot, introduced me to someone and that just snowballs. After a while, you just start meeting one person after another and that's how networking works. And if we are all selfish about it, we really wouldn't get anywhere in life. So, you know, I'm always stoked to support friends brands and then also help people who like the brands of my friends to get in contact and how to promote them further. Cause that's more about what I would like to see is uh, especially family run, mom and pop style businesses succeed a lot bigger in the real world um, and not get taken over by corporate America.
0: Absolutely. And on that, I mean, we should just mention, uh, I think what we'll do with your episode, this is going to be, when people see this, it will be 2024. I'm recording some heat for you to get your guys' minds on adventure and travel um, and just kicking your year off with just some wisdom and just, that's part of the reason I asked you to jump on, Matt. We're going to give away a a pair of heatwave sunglasses at the end of this show or during this show on this episode release because of you, so... Be sure to thank the people at Heatwave. Follow Matt, which you'll see at the end of the show. We'll put them all in the links. You're going to see the shorts. You guys know how we do it on the BCB podcast. That being said, Matt, let's dive into your background. You kind of let the cat out of the bag here just a little bit. You're a pilot, obviously. That means he flies cool shit, folks. Uh, Yes, he flies the Gulf Streams, the jets that you see. But this this dude right here is not the same sob that you see wearing the delta suit this is my friend that you see dressed up as santa claus flying god knows where dive into your background for us tell the folks at home like what what do you do you said public transportation but you're cooler than that man you i mean you fly all over
1: uh i'm a limo driver in the sky you know that's (laughs) the the best way to put it but um yeah, uh, aviation's done a lot for me. It's been a very cool background. Uh, I've been fascinated since I was a young, young kid. And when I was in high school, uh, my dad got me into some flying lessons. And then um, I was also a fire explorer in high school. Those were kind of two industries that I liked: was um, fire and aviation. Uh, military was always a cool thing for me, but I had some injuries as a kid, um, and then. One of my arms is pretty messed up. So back in, you know, early 2000s, I would never have passed medical with the military just with some of my backgrounds and injuries. But, you know, being a servant to my society uh, was definitely at the high end of my protocol list. And um, being a firefighter in the early 2000s, right after September 11th, like everyone and their mom wanted to be a firefighter. So I was going down that road, um, loved everything about fire, but I also loved everything with aviation. I had two big goals that I wanted to try to succeed in. And at the time I took the aviation route, uh, right out of high school, I started working at the Oakland airport and I was what's called a line guy and you're working on the ramp. And so if you're on the airlines, you see the people loading bags on the airplane, fueling the jet, that's all ramp service, line service, however you want to call it. I did it on the corporate side of the fields that interested me more than the airlines. I used to see corporate jets taking off and flying, and always wondered where they were going. So, I just dove in, I was taking flight school lessons and just learning the industry. I learned it from the very bottom. I didn't have a lot of money. Um, I didn't have any money for college. And after about two years, I was finally able to apply for a loan that my grandmother was kind enough to co-sign on. She never paid a dime of it, just helped me get the loan and then I paid it back. Um, But through line service, uh, initially at Oakland Airport, later on in my career at the Concord Airport, where i got into line service and also becoming a pilot and some of the guys that kept their planes in the hangar started using us for second in command first officer whatever role you want to see uh put their right seater, you know meet in the seat something like that there's a lot of different things and that's generally how i got a lot of my experience in the beginning i um i was flying like a pilatus and a king air i went and flew jumpers out at a skydive operation in northern california Uh, I was heavily involved in tailwheel aircraft because I always learned that if you're a tailwheel pilot, you're a better pilot. (laughs) And uh, so I loved flying Super Cubs, Helio Couriers, uh, Huskies, things with large Tundra tires on it that we're going to go and land airplanes where airplanes aren't supposed to go. We go into the backcountry. These aircrafts were initially used kind of out of Alaska with the Alaska Bush pilots in Africa is where you saw the Bush pilot world really come out of. And it was to get resources into very rural, rural environments. Later on, that transformed into hunters, search and rescue, dropping off hikers, and many other platforms that the bush pilot world was used for. But to be a bush pilot, you just had to be very aware pilot, I guess would be the best way to put that. You know, you had to be aware of your surroundings, constant changing conditions of environment, flying and mountainous terrain, knowing how fast weather can change, how fast wind patterns can change going in and out of these areas you usually flying at a lot of high altitude um, places and going in and out of deep ravines and canyons and unapproved landing strips were landing in the dirt. So I was fortunate enough to go up and fly in Idaho um, for a couple summers out of McCall, Idaho, flying in and out of Frank Church Wilderness and no return. I always thought that was a great name for a wilderness Lewis and Clark founded that place. And when they got into Frank's church, they went, Holy crap, like we're in the nasty place and, uh, flying in and out of Frank's church. It'll teach you a lesson time and time again, because the runways are tough. Some of them are down, you know, 6,000 feet below the Canyon walls. Uh, your weather patterns are tech always changing. I learned a ton just being a Bush pilot back in that world. Uh, fast forward, uh, I really so how, wanted wait, to hold get on really
0: quick. How many hours did you yeah. put in doing
1: that? Oh, I don't know. Just a couple hundred, maybe three, four hundred hours of bush flying, something like that. Not a ton, you know, a couple seasons worth. Um, but it was fun. You know, I loved it. And kind of initially, when I became a pilot, corporate pilot wasn't like high on my radar. Like I liked it. I knew I didn't want to be an airline pilot, I knew I didn't fit in with those guys. Um, and back then especially you needed a college degree i didn't have one of those um, crop dusting and aerial firefighting were like my two biggest things that i wanted to get myself into uh, crop dusting in the state of california is really really hard um, it's very family owned operated they really kind of keep the pilots inside the family plus the hazmat ratings are tough to come across it's just a really a tough industry to break into uh, started kind of looking into the aerial firefighting again those guys great group of guys. I'm friends with a lot of the guys in the aerial firefighting world. Um, I got a chance to be a part of it a couple years ago. We could talk about that at another time, but uh, hats off to those guys. Those guys are the gnarliest pilots outside of fighter pilots, you know, and, you know, I would put them up there above fire pilots. They're flying aircrafts without automation and with no computers in it, doing low level attacks on fires, flying in and out of rapidly changing weather patterns in environments that you don't want to be in these guys are absolutely incredible top-notch pilots in the world um but like 2011 i got a call down in southern california to be a corporate pilot and i started off in a pilatus single engine turboprop aircraft carries nine passengers i was doing scheduled routes in between um burbank and san carlos and then a little later on i got an opportunity flying king airs which i was flying with skydivers that's a twin-engine turboprop aircraft built by Beechcraft. Uh, The configuration I was flying was a six-passenger airplane. Um, Got into the 135, which is charter. Um, FAR 135 is our charter standards, and that's kind of going to be a little closer to the 121 airline world, but uh, I started flying on-demand charter. The company I was with at the time, this is 2012 into 13, they had Gulfstream G4s, which got me my initial... Hit into Gulfstreams and worldwide operations. So I initially got hired as a single pilot, uh, King Air pilot, where you would dispatch single pilot. Um, we we're international, but mainly with that aircraft, you have about a 1,200 nautical mile range. Uh, you're doing a lot of Southern California, Vegas, Cabo, uh, Denver, you know, every now and then ski resorts. It's, you know, nothing too far, too crazy. Then you get into the Gulfstream world on the G4 back then. And, uh, now you're really starting to hit like farther out. Your aircraft has about 40, 4,300 nautical mile range on it. You could hit the West Coast to Iceland nonstop um, from there, jump around Europe into Africa. And that's when I really started hitting like rural, rural countries back then. And that was prior to a lot of the automation still um, where we didn't have what's now called CPDLC, which is a kind of, in lame's terms, I'm not going to get into it. People will probably hate him, me like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But I'll just break it down for you guys. It's basically an automated, automated um, voice system so we don't have to do radio calls anymore. It takes out the radio calls and it does do, does everything through the computer on board the aircraft. That's how they communicate to us. They send messages to us instead of us having to use an HF radio to communicate with them over waypoints, over rural areas. But I was doing it before that, kind of before electronic charts. We still had paper charts. and. You know, we flew all around the world. You name a country, we went there. Um, I did that for about five years and uh, then got my side into the private sector and went into the private sector flying a Gulfstream G5, a little bigger than the G4. We're now pushing about a 6,200 6, nautical mile range on that aircraft. 12 hours in flight, you're pretty much one stop anywhere in the world. Um, that was oh, fun. Yeah. I was working. Yeah, I was working for... a. Uh, foreign individual at the time we yeah. were primarily based o- we were primarily based overseas and you do a, two three months on the road out there before coming home but that job was super fun i was in my late 20s at the time and just having a blast i mean me and my counterpart that i was hooked up with at the time he and i were like a year apart from each other in age and we we're flying all over the world just having a blast um really cool career but pretty much since 2017 i would guess I've been on more or less in the private sector of aviation. I've been flying for either a private individual or a corporation since 2017 um, on large cabin, long range aircraft, currently on a Global Express, which is made by Bombardier. It's the competitor to the Gulfstream G5. Um, it's a good aircraft. Home for me is Gulfstream because I've been on it for so long, but the Global Express is a cool plane. Um, still currently working for a worldwide company. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting down in Australia came home from Australia, you know, we're going to head down to Costa Rica in a couple weeks. Um, we jumped to Europe a lot. I mean, there's really nowhere we don't go with this company. This company is a major hitter in the world, I guess I would say. And they operate with some of the biggest people in the world is what we do. Um, so we're constantly having meetings, Middle East, Europe, South America, you know, you name it, we're going, we're flying. And the corporate pilot life is, uh, 365 days a year on call, ready to go, you know, be, be ready in a two hours notice. That's the definition, you know, that we kind of put out there for a corporate pilot. My company's uh, not too bad. We have six pilots for two aircrafts. Um, we are on call all the time, but having the extra pilots gives us a little bit more freedom. Um, but we work. We work hard. You know, I was I'm just down at the hangar actually today. I just came in off the road off of a week trip on the road came down here to get some stuff ready for a trip here pretty soon and lo and behold one of the bosses calls and has a trip the next two days and I'm like hey I'm, like, I'm ready to go if you want me to go I'll go and we're using other pilots on that one but that's how rapidly stuff changes like you could be sitting there thinking you have the day off and the phone call rings so it just it kind of depends it's far and few between with my account that that stuff happens but that is the life of a corporate pilot we're ready to go when we're commanded to go and that's what we have to be ready to do
0: And And that's that's kind of the little,
1: yeah, that's that's kind of the little breakdown of my background. Yeah.
0: So you started with tail draggers doing bush pilot stuff and just flying. Well, you started in high school, just out of scratch, itch and curiosity and to do something you love. And then you went into bush driving, bush pilot stuff. Um, For those that are like, what's bush pilot? I mean, he did everything you could think, drop off hunters, drop gear drops, just tail dragging stuff. Uh, Yeah. I'm camping, sure you land, did uh, that. Yeah, spraying stuff. I'm sure did you do any of that?
1: No, I never sprayed. Um, you know, I tried to spray with the crop dusting world. I never sprayed, and I never did cloud seeding or anything like that. Um, cloud seeding is actually a pretty cool deal. You know, that's when you're flying through storms that are primarily over reservoirs and you seed the clouds to create rain to fill the reservoirs and stuff. So that's actually a pretty cool deal that you can do out there. But um yeah, the tanker world, on like the firefighting side, is something I still would like to go into. That'd be about the only thing that I would ever leave corporate aviation for. Um, if one of the tanker companies called me and had a spot, I'd go in a heartbeat. and Go fly fire. You know, that's the ultimate job. I was flying Air Attack um, in 2021, and then some stuff went a different direction, so I ended up back in the corporate world. But I had a short stench with the Air Attack world, and it was cool. I mean, getting a low-level waiver. Uh, I was certified down to 500 feet above the forest to fly. And um, the air attack position is pretty much the air air traffic controller of a fire airspace. So when there's an active fire burning, we'll basically create a TFR, which is a temporary flight restriction. And then inside that TFR, who's basically allowed in there, is aerial firefighting aircraft to work that fire. We set that restriction up to keep the general public away, to keep the safety of the pilots flying in and out of there. We have altitudes, rules, regulations on what how you're supposed to act inside the fire traffic area, which is the FTA. Um, and then there's media airplanes a lot in there. But what the air attack guy does is he's pretty much in charge of that TFR. He's going to be the one watching the fire. He's watching the um, aircraft, the tankers come in and out. He knows where people are dumping to avoid collisions. You know, the, that whole area is built for safety so airplanes don't run into each other. So that was actually really cool. Um, Like I said, if the tanker company called me tomorrow, it would be hard for me to say no. (laughs) probably end up back there because it would just, it's a role. That's a true blue collar world. You know, those boys are out there fighting fires. They're flying low level. They're putting their life at risk every single time to help, you know, save a structure, save society. And it's a, it's servitude back to your society. You know, you're actually, you're doing something to better society at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and that and that stuff's really interesting. When I got out of the Marine Corps, i uh, I went to helicopter. I went to the rotary side for a little bit. I went and started flying, working on my private with flying helicopters. And I and a lot of my buddies from there ended up going on to become like Columbia helicopter pilots or uh, assisted pilots or whatever, you know. Um, and it was it was always interesting to me to see their pictures. But you're like you were saying, they're flying. 16 to 18 hours a day. Sometimes on that shit on fires, just fly, 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 just gut wrenching oh, yeah. work. So yeah, it, it was kind of crazy. It's crazy to hear it from your standpoint. Now, do you, do you fly helicopters too?
1: No. Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, I've <laughs> been working on my rating for some time now. Um, you know, I, uh, I just need to kinda of go out and get the check ride and finish it and just get it knocked out. Time, <laughs> you know, it's really what that comes yeah. down to right now. But yeah, I got some time in helicopters. Um, I've flown the Robinson's R twenty two, I've flown the Huey, uh, I've flown uh Bell four oh sixes, I've flown uh A stars Eurocopters. So I love flying helicopters. They're a ton of fun. Uh they're an absolute blast to fly helicopters, but one of these days, I'll go out there and I'll finish it. But right now, no, I'm, I'm not flying Helos. Uh, the group of guys that I fly with on my bushpile side of stuff, uh, one of the guys owns a Huey. And we need to get it up and flying again. So I was actually talking to him the other day about getting our Huey going and helping to fly the Huey. So uh, I love it. It's so much fun.
0: Yeah, they're just cool. I, I really enjoyed being able to just go and like on the backcountry side of things, you know, like. Oh, let's go sit down on the side of the mountain over there, or let's go land on that rock in the middle of the canyon. Like just, just wild shit. I actually, I, I was, I was a friend, but a, a chick I was hitting on when I was flying back then. I flew her around during the Fourth of July. I got in flight rotation and was above Bend, Oregon, just flying circles and pattern, watching the fireworks from all over Central Oregon just pop. It was it was rad, dude. Like helicopters are awesome. I I love that they defy gravity too, but for our audience's sake here, um, what I really wanted to establish is just that you have a wild amount of experience doing what you've done. Like, I mean, you have, what I love about what, this is where you get barbarian to me is you were very aggressive in your career, like take on this, take on that, take on this. Let me get hours in this. Hey, what's up networking, right? Like getting your hands in the mud and Like, oh, hey, you guys need help. Let me come fly with this. And like you just said, even explaining flying Hueys. Maybe the people that aren't listening to this are pilots. For those that are, this is no news to you. But for those that aren't, like, it's not very, like, you guys might have friends that are helicopter pilots, obviously, and you know other people in the aviation community that fly, and you get maybe more opportunities than, like, the average Joe to get in something. But there's not a lot of cross, right? Like, a lot of people don't fly helicopter or fly a jet, especially commercially like you do, and then go and necessarily jump in a helicopter with somebody that's your networking ability to like make friends with people and take advantages of opportunity, garner experiences as they arise. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, mainly the crossover doesn't happen too often because time and money, right? Money is probably the most restricted thing to most people. And, um, I mean, aviation was a tough world, uh, for a while, you know, like the reason that I flew anything and everything is because we didn't make that much money when we were building time. And so like, I just put myself out there for blood money to go do whatever I could to get experience. So there's probably like 10 years of my career, well, maybe more if I really sit down and do the math of, you know, I was maybe making twelve, thirteen thousand $13,000 a year, like barely, barely getting by, um, you know, if you listen to my other podcast just another failure podcast when i was doing it or you listen to spitballers when i was on that one you know i've talked about this more times than i can admit like there was times in my life i was homeless like legit homeless you know i would um go out and i was working for a company as a commercial pilot but i wasn't making enough money to afford a place to rent it was like rent a house or eat food you know like whatever. And, you know, when we're on the road, uh, hotels, transportation, food, everything's taken care of. So I kind of just worked it in my life where like, I just stayed on the road, you know, let work just keep paying for somewhere to live. And if I came home and I just, if I had to come home and sleep in my truck, you know, a couple of times here and there, I would just sleep in my truck. You know, like I legit remember being in Southern California being on some of these beach towns and I'd have to go shower or something like that. And, I'd just go down to the beach and put board shorts on and act like I was a surfer in the shower and the beach showers and stuff, you know, like legit, like whatever. Uh, But that stuff just builds character, you know. And so that was why, like, it was very barbarian, like, just to go out there and just get after it. Like, I'd find something I wanted to do and I made it happen. There wasn't anyone that was going to hand this to me. No one was just going to give it to me. No one was going to sign over their paycheck to me. Like, I had to survive. There wasn't a way not to survive. So when the thick came down to it, it was like sink or swim you know, figure it out, start kicking or drown. What are you going to do in the middle of it? And, you know, that's a big thing that like pilots can relate to. We have the thing called a PNR. It's a point of no return. And, you know, we, it's a plotting point we'll put out there when we're crossing like large bodies of water or rural areas or something like that, where there's a point out there that if we have a catastrophic failure, we're going to keep either we're going to turn around and go home or we're going to push on and go to the, you know, we're going to divert to a safe area. We're going to push on to our destination but at that point of no return, once we pass it, we're not turning around and going home. All you can do is push forward at that point. So whether it's the next safest place to divert or that's the place that you intended on landing, depending on where that PNR is, you know, and that happens a lot to us in life. Um, there's a lot of times we hit that PNR in life. It's like, hey, I can't turn around and go home. The only way, the only way through the storm is forward. The only way through this mess is forward. Like I got to kick, I got to fight, I got to do whatever I can. You know, the military teaches you guys that. Um I have a lot of friends from the special forces community, the SEAL teams, um, Green Beret buddies, even just infantry boys and stuff like that. When you guys are in the middle of a firefight, are you going to sink and retreat or are you going to start loading rounds and fight back? You know, like, what are you going to do in the middle of that? So, you know, all that stuff always goes to the next level. But like, even if you think about it, this starts at a very biblical level, too. You know, if you go back and you actually read the Bible and you see what Christ called of his disciples and stuff like that. There's a point where all the disciples are sitting on the shore, and Jesus says, hey, we're crossing, we're crossing here, and we're going to the other side. And in the middle of the sea as they're crossing, a huge storm comes in the middle of this, and the disciples start freaking out. Jesus himself is sleeping in the bow of the boat. You have God himself in human form sleeping in the front of the boat, and the storm comes, and the disciples are afraid that they're going to die. When they have God in human form sitting there, the creator of all things sitting there, they're still afraid. And so when they wake him up, Jesus says, why are you afraid? And he tells the seas to be still. and He tells the wind to be silent. And the disciples sit there and say, who is this man that he can command the seas and the wind to stop? Right. You know, but what the disciples forgot, they got nearsighted in the storm. All of a sudden they got halfway across and the storm came and they're like, hey, we're done. We're going to die. You know, like that. Jesus said, we're not going to go halfway and die. He said, we're going to go to the other side. He told them what they were going to do. But when the storm came, they thought they were going to die. They took their eyes off of Jesus and didn't focus on what he told them in the beginning. He never lied to them. He said, we're making it to the other side. He didn't say it was going to be smooth sailing. He didn't say it was going to be an easier route. But he said they were going to make it to the other side. So just keep taking that down the line in life. You know, whether it's in the military, you're in a firefight, you're going through boot camp, you're going through selective training, you're in a pilot society. Something goes wrong in the aircraft. Are you going to give up and die? No, you're going to fight. You know, it's bred in us. That's how we were created. We were created to fight. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You're in a rough spot with work. You're in a rough spot with life. Sorry, man. <laughs> life wasn't promised to be easy. <laughs> life, wasn't, life wasn't ever promised to say, hey, you know, we're, you're just going to glide through this. That wasn't ever promised to us. We were never promised an easy life. So it's just accept what's at hand. Try to control what you can, but give the rest to God and let Him tr- truly guide you. You're not gonna be able to control much. Let Him open the doors. Let Him guide us on the path that we have to go on.
0: Yeah, I mean dude you said that so well. And it also it also speaks to blind faith, right? Like you just have to know You have to know that the journey's gotta happen no matter what. <clears throat> there's yeah. no timeouts, there's no um Maybe somebody can do this for me. Like that's the thing about life, bro. You got to go. And I'm glad you brought that, that story of, of in the Bible up because specifically when you were talking about it, I was just thinking about the, the, like, why did you wake me up? Like, what are you afraid of? Like, what is there to be afraid of? You know, that you're going to progress from point A to point B on the things of life. Right. And so this is, I really want to get into this for the. this mindset right here, especially this ideology on like in your career, what are you afraid of, bro? Not, not you specifically, Matt, but I'm talking to our audience, right? Like, what are you afraid of? Because all you could do is go forward, no matter what you got to go. I mean, you could sit and stay stagnant in your career, but like, what are you really afraid of to go bigger, to do more, to get more for your family? Because no matter what, if it's not you, Somebody else is going to fill that role. And it could be the guy that doesn't, the wrong guy that's going to lead the people the wrong way, right? Like you were talking about, I'm not referencing us in, in relation to Jesus. I mean, that's the, that's the king. But let's just say, you know, it, the, the guy is the coward in the boat, like the real coward in the boat. And you weren't willing to step up. And now he's the one at the rudder calling the shots. And he's not even the person. So, what I'm getting at here is somebody is always going to fill that role. Life is going to continue. The motion, the inertia, everything is—it's going to happen to you, or for you. It's like, but no matter what, it's—it's it's happening. So you got you. Do, no matter what, you got to progress. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and uh, yeah, that I'm glad you shared that story or used that specifically because there's so much power in that train of thought, you know and and dude, your background speaks to that. You, all you did was just make it happen, right? And like you said, you took pain and turned it into a purpose. And you took life and turned it into a lesson, right? And unfavorable conditions became the reason that you succeeded, right? Like, that's what made you uncommon. Unfavorable, unfavorable excuse me, became uncommon in, in this parallel. Like, creating, uh, lateraling this to your work, right? So it's just crazy to me because like me and you could go all day on, on, especially on theory stuff, because our minds just roll on this, but let's talk about like what that led into like international travel work. Like, what's that like, like for our audience here, like it gives you a really good perspective, but there's more in the world. Right.
1: Yeah. um, And you know, like, We'll backstep just a couple things here, but, uh, you know, that fear, right. Of people being afraid to live. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard the acronym for fear, but it's, a. Uh, you could go a couple ways with this, right. False expectations appearing real or false experiences appearing real. You know, it's mm-hmm. an image that we depict in our mind that we create. That's not real. You know, it's something that's not going to happen. Uh, and so overcoming that fear and, you know, I can't say that I'm not afraid. You know, I can't say that I just lived completely fearless. Uh, Definitely as a kid growing up, I was the more conservative, the more cautious kid, the kid that always kind of thought the consequences of something that was going to happen. I kind of had that fear mind state kind of growing up, like, what if, what if, what if, or why me, why me, why me? Um, But, you know, through unique experiences of meeting some awesome people like that, they changed the direction on how I view life and they changed the way I look at things, right? so. You know, there might, have, there might have been some situations that I was terrified of, honestly. Like, dude, no way. Like, absolutely not. But <laughs> you have that fight inside you, you know? And, like, a lot of my stuff has to go back biblically because, honestly, there's just so much truth in the Bible. But if you even think of Jonah, you know, people only know it, Jonah being swallowed by a whale. It's a fish, you know, that it talks about in the Bible that he was swallowed by a fish. People don't understand the story and the context prior to that of why Jonah was thrown into the mouth of the fish. God called him to Nineveh, which is... Uh, City of northern Iraq. It's modern day Mosul. That's where Nineveh was. And he wanted him to go preach to Nineveh. And basically, Jonah was like, absolutely not. You know, like there's no way I'm going to Nineveh. Those people are cannibals. They eat people. Like they're the evilest of the evil people. I'm not going to Nineveh. And he fled to Tarsus. Like as far away as you could go, that's where Jonah was fleeing to. But God was like, no, you are going to Nineveh. So going back to like, if you ignore God's call and he called you to do it, he's going to make sure you go and do it. Right. You know, and that's what happened to Jonah. Jonah got turned around was going to on his way to Tarsus. The boat was basically going through the worst storm ever because Jonah was on it and Jonah hurled himself over the boat to save the sailors lives. And that's how he got thrown into the fish's mouth and then ended up in Nineveh to where God wanted him to be because ultimately God wanted him there. So I would say, you know, on the road and the traveling side of things, there's been countries I've been dispatched into and, um, I've been like, yeah, that's probably not a safe place to be right now. You know, like, flying an aircraft into this airspace might not be the best idea right now. They have surface-to-air missiles. They have things that are going to shoot us down. There's active threats going on the ground. You know, I, as much as in, like, the back of my head, I'm like, this is a cool James Bond story. You're like, the realism starts kicking in, and you're like, you know, you understand you have something more to live for. And now you're going to have to go operate in and out of there because work called you to go, you know. And right. you're going to advise the security threats to the boss. You're going to go through safety protocols. How are we getting in and out of there? What's the airways that we could fly in and out of there? How does the operations work in and out of there? You know, we go through heavy briefings to make sure that we can do this job safely. But, um, you know, I've for sure been in countries where uh, violent protests, I guess, have taken over, you know, why I've been there and, It hasn't really affected me, you know, one way or another, you know, we got, we got held up in a country one time where the government didn't want to let us leave. They were trying to seize our airplane and, uh, that interest that ended up in an interesting conversation that lasted for two days of, uh, negotiations (laughs) to get us off the ground. Um, so, you know, I remember like never text the family at home when something's going wrong, like really let them know what's going on. You know, it was always like pretty light. Like if something was going on overseas or something like that, I would never just be like full failure. Like, Hey, we're going to die. <laughs> kind of thing. It was like, Hey, just to let you know, we're kind of delayed There's some stuff happening right now, you know, just, you know, but let, let us know. It, it, it never really got worse than that. You know, it never really got into a point where, uh, I mean, there might've been a couple times, you know, I would tell the family like, Hey, you know, we can use some prayers over here right now. There's some stuff going on, but it was never really, I don't know. It never really pushed me that hard because I guess I came to a realization at my point in life, you know, like my job, I'm I want to word this the best way possible because I, I don't want this to seem unsafe, but, um, we're called to be at a certain place for a certain time in life. Um, I don't believe that anything happens by accident and we're placed in scenarios for an absolute reason. If yeah, something like this happened... time
0: in society, for example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's a prime example of what you're saying.
1: <laughs> hmm If something happened to me into another society, it just means I got to go home to heaven. You know, honestly, at the end of the day, it's not bad for me. Uh, you know, I just I get to go home to heaven quicker, you know, at the end of the day, like not to go like morbid or anything like that, but death doesn't scare me. Um, Yeah. Because I believe that God called us for a specific reason on this earth. I know I was created by God and I know that there's a heaven. I know there's a hell and I know I'm going to be on the right side of the Bible when, you know, things come and that day of judgment comes that at least I'm going to stand before God going into heaven. So that's my faith has kept me on a form. Sure. You know, like, mom and dad and stuff like that. If I went before them, it would be grieving, you know, but ultimately it's not goodbye. It's see you later. You know, like that's how you got to look at things in life. You know, that your friends, that your family members and those that are close to you are believers in Christ. It's never goodbye. It's just, I'll see you later. You know, this body was temporal while I was here. So, you know, the travel side, if it ever came to fear, it's just like, my trust is in God. You know, if, if he didn't want me, you know, if he didn't want me there, he wouldn't have sent me. Um, but uh, on the brighter side of things, like travel's been fun. I've been able to go to yeah. some really, really cool countries around the world. Uh, it's been a blessing. I'm 36 years old. I had to think about that for a second. 36 years old right now. Been to 103 countries around the world. Holy cow. I've been, on every, <laughs> I've been on every continent except Antarctica. Uh, almost got to go to Antarctica twice now and it's got canceled, but that's my last one. Um, I generally you like one hundred and two, three
0: hundred and three yeah. countries. Good Lord. Yeah.
1: Um, I love Africa like I really do. I love Africa as a whole. I love the people in Africa. I love the culture in Africa. Africa is very real to me. Indonesia um, holds a place in my heart as well. I spent some time on Papua Borat, which is the company that uh, the country that shares with Papua New Guinea. Uh, I was out there for a while. One holiday season, actually, during Christmas, I was out in Papua Borat. I got to go out into Raja Ampat, which is a world-renowned diving location, but also cool of just thousands and thousands and thousands of islands with, I don't know if you would want to call them tribal um, Inuit people or, you know, natives, but it's definitely a different style of people that live on these islands out there. Um, that was really, really cool experience. You got to meet some true indigenous people, I guess would be the best way to put it was these indigenous tribes. Um, Just fun because like you see life in a very pure form, right? You know, you're seeing people live without electricity, you're seeing people live without running water and stuff. And they're very happy. You know, it's a very eye opening experience that in 2023, there's still people in this world that live without modern society, they live without cars, they live without water, they live With a lot of electricity they live in grass huts they live under trees like it's wild it's so cool they make their own clothes and just to think about that is just it's very very unique that not everyone lives on the standard that we think that europe australia america china and everyone lives on there's still very rural rural environments um i first kind of got introduced to that when i was in high school my senior year of high school my dad made a big life choice went back to medical school when he was 50 years old i was a senior in high school And I lived in the Eastern Caribbean on the island of Dominica. Now, that's not the Dominican Republic. Don't get this mixed up with Punta Cana. You know, (laughs) don't get this mixed up with paradise. Uh, But I will say Dominica is paradise in its own way. It's a very rural, rural country. It's a very indigenous country. There's still indigenous people. They actually filmed Pirates of the Caribbean dead man's chest um, as we were leaving the island uh, because it was one of the last few places in the world that had indigenous people and they wanted to film indigenous people. So very unique experience. Um, 17 years old. I wasn't the most stoked in my life to be there. I, if I could go back in time, I would change things a lot different. I was the only um, white person, 17 uh, year old white person on the Island. Um, there was no one really my age. I was homeschooled while I was down there. But we got to meet other villages. It was cool. The island was seven and a half miles wide by 14 miles long. Very small island. Uh, Took two hours to go seven and a half miles through the jungle, just through gnarly, gnarly roads. Uh, But that's where I really got broken into third world, rural, rural cultures. Like, the house we lived in down there, if it rained heavy, you might not be able to shower for two or three days just because the water was so dirty coming out of the shower. Um, Very unique, I would say. But that opened my eyes. And once I started traveling the world, it was like, I want to see more of this. Like, I want to go out there. I want to meet cultures. I want to meet people. And then when I started traveling to countries, having that experience when I was in high school, I was less afraid to go walk around when I was out in these countries, to go interact with people, to go sit down in a local bar, sit down in a local restaurant. People didn't, people didn't really scare me. You know, I wasn't like afraid, like, oh, this guy might kill me because I'm not from here or I don't speak the language or something. There was always figuring out a way to interact with people. And I've generally felt safe around the world. You know, I've been to some very, very cool countries. And I mean, I've been to countries where the flight crew is like, hey, don't leave the hotel. Don't walk around. I'm like, absolutely. Come on, guys. Like, there's so much to see here. In fact, I remember I was in a city in South America one time and there was literally a sign in my hotel room when I walked into my hotel room. And it said, whatever you do, do not leave the premises of this hotel. You're like keen to being murdered, kidnapped. Like there's a whole list of things. And there's a sign in my hotel room that told me not to leave. And I'm like, that's just telling me to go. Like I want to go at this point. You know, Uh, that's kind of how I looked at life. Um, You got to be smart about it. You know, I'm not just out there actively like trying to get in trouble. I just want to see what life's about. I want to see how people live. Uh, I was curious. So. It's been fun. Um, aviation's been cool. The hard sides were, it cost a lot of money to get to where I was sure. at. It took a lot of effort to get here. Um, I love barrier mentoring entry people.
0: Is, uh, barrier entry to that community is insane. I mean, you got yeah. to want it, you know?
1: <laughs> you know, you do. And I would like to mentor people. When people call me about aviation, I love talking about flying. I like taking people flying. I like showing them what it is it's fascinating. Not a lot of people get to do this. Um, you know, probably less than like 2% of the entire world, like will ever get to fly an aircraft or travel the way I've traveled. Uh, very blessed for that. Not saying that in a cocky manner. it's just, it's a very unique experience. And I want to share that with anyone that I can share that with. Uh, the downside to our program is it's expensive. It takes a lot of money to get where we're at. And when kids come up or young adults come up in the industry and they're just asking me how much money I make, I'm like, It's not about that right now. You know, like (laughs) you got to want this. You know, uh, due to the pilot shortage we have in the world right now, we're in a massive shortage. Yes, salaries have gone up. People are making a lot more money in entry jobs than I was making, you know, almost 20 years ago. It's a very different society. We don't have the experience of pilots that we need. So it's pushing experience numbers and salary numbers through the roof. Like people are making decent money, but still that entry level job with today's society, today's economy. It's not lavish, you know, but you put your time in, you're going to make it, you know, you put your time, you put your effort in, you know, everyone, I, for a long time, and I still am in my group of pilots. I fly with an amazing group of pilots. I'm the young guy. I am the young guy, probably next closest to me is 10 or 12, 10 to 12 years older than I am. You know, I still am the young guy. I'm 36 years old and I'm still the young guy in my group. So, uh, that's really interesting you know to put that in perspective you know there's not a lot of younger people out there you know a lot of those guys are in their mid 40s going into their 70s that are flying these aircraft there's not a lot of us in our late 20s to mid 30s that are coming up so um you gotta want it you really do um but you know like i really had to go want it like i i remember sitting at days you know with my dad when i was 20, 21 years old. And, you know, my dad went through a really hard time, um, with the medical school and his former business, the guy that bought it off them of him ended up suing my dad over some BS reason. And really it hurt my family for doing a long time, like a really, really long time. It took my family a long time to recover, but we stuck together and that's how we did it. And, you know, my dad wanted to see all the kids succeed. You know, he never wanted to see us hurting in life. So, you know, my dad would bust his ass to make sure that life. mom and dad both would bust their ass to give us to make sure we had what we had. But there was days I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. You know, I would get so fed up with the industry. There was no jobs for so many years. And it was just like applying, applying and applying and just going year after year after year, never getting a phone call. And it's just like, what, did I do the right thing? Like, did I make the right choice? Did <laughs> I spend all this money in a loan? Did I, did I go down the right road? And you know, I, I remember my dad would, you know, take me out to the airport and just remind me, you know, like, hey, you know, like one day you're going to fly that airplane, right? You know, like one day you're going to go out and do that. Like, just always had that glimmer of hope, you know, and I think that's what parents are supposed to do. You know, you got to keep your kids' dreams alive. You're, you know, you don't want them to think that they're going to fail. You have to raise them in a society where they understand progression of pain but you don't want to kill their dreams, you know? You don't want to be so tough on them that they missed that site, but you also don't want to be so easy on them where they just get it, you know, everything's just handed to them. You know, I was never handed anything to me. They always made sure I had to work for it, but they would always reaffirm whatever I was working towards that it was possible. You know, nothing was impossible. And again, that goes back to capitalism. That's That's what makes a capitalistic society so beautiful that we live in a society that your dreams are absolutely possible. I don't care what anyone tells you. If you can dream it, you can do it in this society. Dude, I was homeless. I was eating peanut butter <laughs> jelly and Top Ramen, dude, for months, years. Like, I mean, this is the real deal, you know? Like, I don't care. There's no excuse out there why you can't do it, you know? And I've seen people with learning disabilities, with speech, speech disabilities, um, different disabilities, be able to still achieve goals in aviation, firefighters, uh, police officers, military people, people that the world would say, you're never going to make it. When I was a sophomore in high school, my world civil teacher, basically world history teacher, he looked at me and told me I had too big of an imagination. I was never going to get anywhere in this world. Straight up, dude. 15 years old in high school, 16, whatever you are as a sophomore. I don't know how old you are, 15, 16 years old. Straight up told me, hey, your imagination's too big. You're never going to get anywhere in life. Figure it out. You know, like killing—like who does that? Why do we have educators out there that are killing kids' dreams? You know, and then that same high school I went to—I had a shop teacher, awesome guy. He's since passed. I'm actually a really good friends with his son, but he was a cool guy. His son was like one of the other few kids I was in the aviation, and his dad brought in an aerobatic airshow pilot to talk to us in high school, and I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever," you know. <laughs> yeah, once that is I, cool. I, I want to say her name was Jackie. So, like, on one end of the spectrum, I had a teacher telling me I was never going to succeed. On the other end of the spectrum, I had a teacher bringing in real-life people saying, hey, this is what you can be. You can be this person, right? And that was cool. So, you know, you couldn't let the person standing there, you know, pissing on your parade because whatever, he's all pissed off about his life because he became a school teacher and wanted to do something else. You know, whatever, something obviously pissed on his parade where he had to ruin a 16-year-old's dreams. Or you could have been the other teacher with optimism saying, Hey, let me introduce these kids to something that they might not see as even possible in a realistic opportunity in life.
0: Yeah. And so that's a perfect way for us to parlay into uh, getting through hard times. But I couldn't agree with you more because you were just talking about the coming through hard and enduring. And um, it, it's funny to me, too, because at what point do you show? So in this case that you were just talking about in the story, you were just telling about your teacher brought somebody, that would be the show. But in a lot of like the case of, you know, part of the reason I'm chasing my dreams and stuff is to show my kids what that looks like. How are they supposed to know if I don't go? You know what I mean? Like legitimately. So I I love that what you're saying there. It's like, like, I'm almost do better in that. Like bet against me. Like right now, like the world's kicking me in between the nuts, you know, but like, because of that i I know like that pressure is going to refine me into even more of a monster of a capable monster of a monster of accomplishments, a monster of an endurance, a monster of redemption, like resilience, like all those character traits all that they 're doing right now is going through a fire or a fire, excuse me, and getting refined over and over and over again right now, right so um but yeah, for, for time's sake, I want to I want to jump on to talking like talk us through hard, right? Like this is like I said, when people are listening to this, it's gonna be 2024 now. We're kicking off the year. The holiday season's kind of in a rough season for some people. Other people Everyone. like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that real. more than they real, let real, on to, let's be I mean, real. Honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh there's also a lot of uncertainty in the world right now, right? So I one thing I really want people to understand is that there's a way through and that stagnant like being stagnant is death you know like staying stagnant um and you're the perfect person to talk about this as as like you literally have traveled all over you had to risk you had to sleep in your truck and shower at the beach to make your career into something what what would you say to these people like let's give these people some hope man I, and obviously we could talk about God too, but give us some career advice here on like, it's time to put the fucking yeah. low, you know? Yeah,
1: I love it, man. You know, like uh, it's so funny because <laughs> one of my favorite mottos, you know, it's actually by 30 seconds out a brand that I represent that I'm a part of, you know, one of their biggest things is, you know, hope is not a good plan <laughs> kind of thing, but people take that out of context. I was talking to Sean, the owner of 30 seconds out the other day about this and people like really take away the meaning of, hope is not a good plan, right? Because uh, it comes from a really basic concept, you know, like it goes back to that fight, you know, are you going to fight or are you just going to hope for something to happen? That's where it kind of really goes to, you know, like you're you're downrange in a military situation, you guys get stuck in a pinch, right? Are you Are you hoping you're going to get out of this alive? No, you know you're going to get out of this alive, right? And that's really what that That hope is not a good plan you know kind of stems from it's (laughs) like i'm not hoping i'm not hoping for something to come true i'm going to make something come true you know Oh then right but then we have the biblical side of that you know where we do want that hope and faith in god that god does sell hope to us right you know he gave us a promise and he gave us a promise at the cross and when christ took the cross he took the sins of the world upon his shoulders and he gave us a basic instruction to say hey follow me accept me as your savior and declare that i am god and i will certainly see you in heaven you know declare me in front of people and i will declare you in front of the angels in heaven we say that in the bible it says that right so you know going back to that servitude of god in mark ten forty five, you know he said that um the son of man did not come to um the son of man did not come to be served but to serve right he the jesus basically didn't come to be served but to serve the people you know so let's just like kind of fast forward let's take this into context right you know life's hard getting through a workout is hard you know getting through a day can be hard in these times of unknown certainties you know there's a lot of hard things um i would say my mentor chad williams uh you guys can look him up seal god on instagram great guy he taught me hard, you know, you know, he's a pastor, he's stuff like that, but he taught me hard and where he taught me hard. And really what I learned from a workout, a workout goes into life building skills. I'll go and do a workout with Chad and he'll put something on the board. And I'll be like, no way, dude. Like, absolutely not. Like, I'm going <laughs> to die. Like, I'm, I'm literally going to die. Like, I'm going to die in this workout today. But, you know, but it's like, it's put that I'll die before I quit perspective in your life, you know, like. For the next 80 minutes, while I'm sitting in front of Chad for the next 80 minutes, he is going to put me through something that he is going to try to kill me on. He is going to try everything he can do to kill me, to try to get me to quit. But when you get to the end of that, there's almost like this euphoric feeling like, oh, that was rad. Like, how did I even get my body to push that far? You click off everything else and all you click on is the task at hand. So you hyper focus on that task at hand of what that is, you know, and. It's like going back to Jesus. Jesus knew the cross was coming. He knew he was going to be crucified. Jesus knows everything how it's going to play out before we even know. He created us. He knows our end plan, right? He knows what we're capable of. He's never gonna push us through something that we're not gonna be able to get out of. People always I laugh, and I used to be this person until I actually had to go back into scripture and read this. But Jesus does not tempt. I like when I used to be that person that used to say, Man, God's really putting me through it. No, God's not putting you through it. God's pulling you through it. He's not putting you through it. He's pulling you through it. The only person that could tempt you is the devil. The devil cannot act without Jesus. You know, in James, it says, I think it's in James James 1, 6. I got to look it up. Don't quote me on that, but it's in James. It says, you believe God's real? Good. Even the demons believe and they tremble at the voice of God, right? So even demons acknowledge God is alive, right? Again, he created them. So they cannot act without God's permission. So you go back in the Bible to Job. Job was tempted by Satan. You know, God and Satan had a deal to tempt Job to see if Job would fail and disgrace God. But you got to remember, Job always gave the glory to God. In Matthew, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, by Satan in the desert for 40 days, Jesus always responded, "It it is written, you know, His faith always went back to God it is written, you know, man cannot live on bread alone by every every word that is in the word of God. You know, he always went back to that. So when we're in hard times, we got to remember God is driving this, right? God went to the cross. Could you imagine that hanging on the cross, crucifixion? That was the absolutely worst form of punishment that you could receive in that time. The Romans perfected it. They didn't invent it. They perfected it. And you put someone on a cross to hang there until their body deteriorated and gave up. You suffered on the cross. Who are we to say that we're in hard times? You know? It's putting your life in perspective. It's taking yourself out of a hard situation and trying to step out of your own shoes and look back into it from an outsider's perspective and say, how bad do I really have it today? You know. And I'm not saying life's easy. I'm, I'm not saying that every day I wake up and I'm going to win. I'm not saying that. There's going to be days that it's hard. I'm going to get pushed. But how do I, when I get pushed and when push comes to shove, do I, do I turn around and quit or do I say, figure it out and keep going? Do I say, you know, you know what? I'm done. This day's over. I'm going to quit. Sure. I want to do that. I want to throw it in the bag. I want to get rid of this as much as you do, but I got to, ultimately I got to be like, Hey God, you got this. This is out of my control. I'm giving this to you. And And some days, dude, you do
0: want to just throw your hands in the air and be like, Talk all that, the time man you know all the but time. it's Life, just a, it's just a, easy. A, yeah it's just a game of endurance right bro like like yeah. legitimately it's just at bats every day i'm going to get up there and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing like i'm going to wake up and i'm going to swing 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 swing, swing till i can't like and eventually my time on this earth will be up But it's funny when you were saying that about going through hard times i had this scripture come back through me. And this actually used to be when I was a kid. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I traveled and did missions work in Africa and South, and, uh, South America and different places um, throughout like 13, 14, 15 time. You made around. a
1: post about this not too long ago. I read about this. You did an Instagram post on you in Africa. I think
0: you're yeah, doing water, work, yeah, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I did. Uh, so I've been to, uh, I've been to a couple of different places, uh, Ecuador. And then I've been to Africa a couple times doing, wells and different shit and like that but um james 4 7 is what came to mind um submit yourselves therefore to god resist resist the devil and he'll flee from you Mm -hmm. right um for the people right now going through it not that you need hope but like it's funny like i'm giving myself advice in this current situation as i'm saying this right like
1: we always are when
0: when everything is getting crunched like say you're an accordion and when it is crunched and it's squeezing all the notes out of you all that musical tone that it can to get out of you that's where you just got to give it to god like literally submit yourself to god resist what the devil like in my, in my mind what i see with that is you got to give it to god so i got to give this heart heartache i got to give this pain i got to give this stress i got to give this uncertainty this whatever it is weighing down on you the pressure of the world like i got to give it Like i gotta understand like i can't this is out of my control i have to let go
1: can't do this yeah
0: and then i gotta and then i gotta resist the the devil and in that sense and the resist the devil man i feel like going back to middle school now now i'm preaching again like at youth Mm -hmm. conventions i used to be a motivational speaker too but like resist the devil right like and in that sense like i'm i'm legitimately i'm resisting what i know is wrong i'm resisting that meant that the the voice in my head i'm resisting the demons when I say the demons, I mean like the things in life, the alternative things that are going on, I'm instead of let's, let's put this like, especially for my blue car guys out there, like instead of drinking and going to doing drugs, I'm getting in the weight room. I'm reading my Bible instead of looking at porn or spending all my time on the internet. I'm reading books to get my brain to grow, right? Like resist right you have to fight back that's resist it's not just resist like oh don't touch me it's fight back resist like what? get away from me slap that hand away from me don't touch me like you know what i mean yeah. you got to have that fight in you that that aggressive and then and then it says and he will flee from you and the, and that's when you're forcing the world to let up on you essentially you got to force that hand you're you're not going to allow it like, oh, thank God it pulled its, and I'm talking, like I said to myself, I'm not going to allow it to, oh, thank God the world's taking his hand and it's letting up and, oh, I could gasp for air now, like, thank, Matt, holy cow, dude, it almost really squashed me on that time when it hit me, you know, no, I'm literally telling it, get off of me, like, F-A-F-O, like, keep, put your hand on me again, bro. Like touch me again. And, and, and you have to have that rigidity and that backbone. So for the people that are listening to this, it's the beginning of 2024, the holidays might've been hard for you. Financially, it might be hard for you. It might be uncertain. You might not have got the gift you want, or God forsake, somebody you had a loved one pass recently or something. You're just going through it, but you just got to know that it's time for you to grab the wheel and and put it in gear and go and drive. And you're going to steer you're not just jumping on the train and riding it to wherever it goes anymore. That's why you're listening to the show. That's you're a barbarian. Like you're going to take the ice ax and stick it in the wall and start climbing up the cliff in front of you. You're going to throw the rope a rope a knot around your waist with the rope and jump off the cliff and rappel down. You're going to, you know what I mean? You're going to put the scuba gear on and dive like you are going to go after it tenaciously, and this is 2024. This may be it for oh, yeah. you. You don't know. This may be what it. Means... We don't know. Yeah. But I mean, what we do know man. is we got to go forward, right? That's it. Forward movement.
1: You, dude, you got to push, and I, you know, I found kind of the best ways when you're really going through the thick of things. You know, when you're really hurting, when you want to give up, you know, become selfless. Like, really, yes. take, that, take that pity storm mm-hmm. off of why me, poor me, this sucks, I can't succeed, and go help someone. Like, literally, maybe it's going to work out with someone. Maybe a buddy's calling you to help on a project at his house. You know, whatever it is, go serve someone. You know, go out and actually start helping because what that does is it changes your thought and your process and your brain of letting the devil sit there and put his thumb on your shoulder and thumb on your brain and you're actually pushing it off because now you're helping someone else in life. And it goes back to Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 4, 10, Mark 10, 45, what we just talked about, right? The son of man came to serve, not be served, right? So when you're really going through a it, think about it, man. Jesus came to serve the people here. He didn't come to be served. He came to show the people on how to live. So why shouldn't we go out and actually serve and be a servant to people when we're really going through it, it's going to change that chemical hit in your head. And you're going to actually start feeling better because you're using a skill that you have in life to help someone else. It's going to help you get through the storm. It's going to help you get through the trauma. You know, people think this life of a Christian, you know, and we really didn't come on a podcast to talk about this, but this is what life is at the end of the day. Right. Um, Matthew 19, 23, and Jesus says to the disciples, truly, I tell you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on further, you know, saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man yeah. to inherit the kingdom of God, right? It is harder to be a follower of Christ, especially in today's society, because we have to fight against pornography. We have to fight against, you know, people telling us that worshiping is like a bad thing. You know, we have all these other spiritual warfares. We have people that are want to say they're spiritual, but they're caught up in the devil's schemes. It's hard to be a believer in a Christ. It's hard to be a man of God and actually stand up and say, Hey, you know, I'm not going to sleep with my girlfriend before marriage. You know, I'm not going to use the Lord's name of it. You know, it's hard to be that man of God in society because society says it's okay for you to live with your spouse before you're married. It's okay for you to do all these things because this is what Hollywood does. But look at most things that people, when they fall into the way of the world, does it last? A lot of the times they're having a lot of problems because, you know, people are falling into other areas to find pleasure in life instead of where God created us to find pleasure in life. So it's like, it's not easy to live this life as a Christian. So like you said, you just came out of the holiday seasons. You're going through the thick of it. You know, Maybe tune into a pastor today. Maybe do something out of the normal. You know, maybe look up John Randall of Calvary Chapel of, of South Osea. Maybe look up Joe Pecky of uh, Paddock out of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Maybe look up Jack Hibbs. Maybe listen to a sermon and see what they have to say. Maybe stop listening to what everyone told you the Bible was and actually hear what the Bible has to say. Because every time I talk to someone, that's an atheist or something like that. And I asked if they've read the Bible and where it says that they're like, no, but I've heard enough about it to know it's wrong. It's like, no, do your research. If you do, if you you research the Bible, yeah, if you research the Bible and you have that own opinion, you know, whatever, I can't help you, but only God can help you. But literally stop listening to what everyone else says and do your own research. Start reading something, read a book. You know, when the media is pushing something, we have, we have, The world's knowledge at our fingertips. You know, these days with a freaking cell phone, right? We have a cell phone that we can look up anything we want in the world at any given moment. Start researching stuff. Find your own opinions. You know, I, I people are just getting so entrapped by this society of telling us we have to think a proper way. It's like that's not how we were created to live. We weren't created to just go with the norm. We're not created to be sheep. You know, we're created to fight. Honestly, at the end of the day, we are created to fight for what's right and stand up for human rights. Stand up for what we believe in. People are lost. They they don't they don't have a backbone to stand on anymore.
0: So almost like 2024, start the year off finding faith again. Find yeah, find hope. I know that's counterintuitive mm-hmm. to the 32nd thing that hope is, but but for real though, find faith, find hope, find like do your own research, like feed your brain. Like I think developing the spiritual side to you is, I mean, that's, it's mandatory. It's absolutely mandatory for growth.
1: Um, yeah. I mean the 30 seconds outside, I love it. It's motivational, but I mean, where that comes from, you know, you'll see this one a lot on our t-shirts, right. But it's, uh, where that came from was when Evan was on the teams, um, Yeah, when Yvonne was on the teams, like, that's your countdown, you know, so when they're getting ready to jump out of a helicopter, you know, you have your five-minute call, your one-minute call, and then your 30-second call is that, right, and it's the skull crusher, Um, but really that 30-second call is like, be ready for what's coming, you know, you're 30 seconds out from the mission, you're ready, you know, like, I'm 30 seconds inbound from this fight, I'm going to fight, so, I mean, 30 seconds out at the end of the day, that's like, really like a command of motivation, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you're, thir- you're, you're being called You're 30 seconds out. You're going to sink your swim. Are you going to fight? You know, where are we going with this right now? So, I mean, I love 30 seconds out. I love what Yvonne's done with the brand and where he's pushing the brand and what he wants to do with it. Um, it, it feeds motivation to people. People have to really look at it to understand where we're coming from. But I mean, yeah, find hope, find faith, find something to grasp onto. Stop saying "poor me, why me, why me? Yeah. figure it out you want something in life figure out how to go get it start doing research make phone calls talk to people go out stop being lazy people are generally just too lazy today
0: i'm gonna have to have him on the show uh your your buddy that owns that company and i have to chat with him because uh i would love to pick his brain on mentality i'm sure he would have absolute gold for mindset stuff to to talk people through this type of stuff but you're right like it's time to jump. You're there. The time is now it's 2024. You're in your career. You're thinking about it. You're listening to podcasts for heaven's sake about trying to get better or hearing one of your buddies talk about it. There's a reason this message is coming to you today and it's to tell you it's time to jump 30 seconds out. We're there. Like (laughs) it's time to go. It's funny that that's a free plug for, for your, your buddies, your company, your company, but, but, um, Dude, this is a perfect time to parlay because I, I want to get into some frequently asked questions with you uh, before before we have to end the show. We're an hour and 10 minutes in. But, and I really appreciate your time, man. Like I said, I understand the value of time and how busy you are. But um, just to be able to hear you you parlay and con- like the way you articulate conversation and relate it to Jesus and spirituality. And it, I I really appreciate all of it, man. Um, So let's get into the frequently asked questions part of this show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to ask you the staple question, because right? I mean you're just you're in the zone right now, so you're gonna hit it. Like, what is a blue collar barbarian to you? To you, the pilot, you know, the white collar guy. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, it's um, it it it's pushing outside of what the norms is telling us in society. It's figuring out that job and how am I gonna work at it. It's being that servant to society. And how what are we doing out there to make a better society? We're the working class, you know. At the end of the day, and I don't care if you're in the white collar world or you're in the blue collar world. Everyone should always maintain some sort of blue collar to their lifestyle, right? You should never get to a point in your life where you're relying on the where you're relying on other people to make your life work. You should always have some sort of an area of your life where you're doing a skill to make society better or make your life better. You know, like you should never fall back on. I made it this far in life. Now I expect people to work for me. You know, you should always, you should never lose sight of that working class. You should never keep, take your hands out of the working class. Always be able to make a job get done. You know, I think that's really what it's called to be. Like we should never lose sight of that at any point in life.
0: And dude, the way you said that is just, just spot on. Uh, it's, it's doing the opposite of everybody else. Because most of the people around you are just getting by. And yeah. if you're a barbarian, you're not doing that. And, and earlier when we were just talking, you were talking about taking the risk, like not doing the norm, right? Like that's got to be the thing. Everything, like look at the people around you. Are they living the like Not what you see on social media. I'm talking real time. Are they living the life that you want? No, then do opposite mm. of them. Like legitimately yeah. do opposite of that because you see that result, right? Like you see it, hands down, you see it. And barbarians, we don't follow. We lead, you know what 100% I mean? We forge, and- we forge and we build paths and create, and then, and then we turn around and extend our hand and say, come with me.
1: You know, I, you know, I love that thing of forge, right? Because, uh, yeah that's uh you know chad my buddy um the seal teams use forged a lot right there's brands after it. he has a ministry named after it i remember like during 2020 man i was like going through it like life was just not working for me i was unemployed um aviation was non-existent uh i couldn't get unemployment i've also been a person that never believed in unemployment. I always had this mindset in the back of my hands. If I'm healthy, I could walk, I could talk, I could use my hands. I should be working. Um, my buddy, Joe Magliotto with big iron out of orange County, California was a really rad guy. He brought me into the shop, uh, as a helper and taught me a lot about fabricating iron work. So during COVID I was an iron worker fabricator working for him, learning welding, learning the trade. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't getting any payouts from the government. They weren't paying me. I wasn't making the money I was making as a pilot, but you know, he was making me enough. He was giving me enough money to pay my rent and food. I mean, that's really what it came down to. I had to sell, you know, my truck during COVID just because I was like, Hey, go to the basics. What do you need to survive? You know, how much do you really need to survive? And, I figured out how to get to work without owning a car. I figured out a lot of stuff just to cut that cost of going in debt and living in debt. You know, I freed myself from that and I didn't give up, you know, like that's really what this stuff comes down to at the end of the day. So that that being forged, I remember I was talking to Chad one day and it's funny, you know, when you meet people in life and someone gives you their phone number, like you'll often be like, you know, Oh, you know, Jonathan friend of, so, you know, friend of <laughs> BAMS or something like that. You know, you put it, you put their name in the phone. So you remember like how you met that person. Right. And, yeah. uh, I remember I looked at Chad one day and I was like, dude, like I was like, I was going through it. I was hurting. And he was like, he, he laughed because like my name in his phone to this day is Maddie forged. And, um, I was like, Hey, maybe we should take like the forged off my name. Like, Maybe we need to take that away. Like, maybe my life will get up. And he was like, I'll take it away when the forging's done, right? Like, when you're, you know, like, when you're hardened through the fire. But when does that day come, right? Because we're always in the fire. You know, we're always being forged and hardened and put back in the fire and coming out and getting hardened and going back in the fire. Like, that process never ends in our life. Because if we're really fighting and we're truly succeeding, you should never be done being forged till you die. You should always constantly be getting heated up and getting harder, getting heated up, and getting harder. You're like, that's what this mentality in life needs. So, I love the Forge background. I think, it, and that's also it the purest the,
0: format, right? Like, getting into the fire yeah. and it's getting rid of impurities, like, continually, yeah. continually, yeah, continually. That's what that's what's funny about that. It, oh, yeah, <laughs> it does I, I, it. I love
1: it. I remember, you know, it was so funny. Like, I was like, I had that glimpse of weakness in the, in the eyes of Chad. And I was like, Hey man, maybe we need to like take away Forge. Like maybe we should, you know, like let's get me out of the fire. And he just laughed at me. He's like, I'll take it away when the forging is done. And it's just, it's never done. You know, You that's the thing. Like it's weird because especially in 2020, we always are advancing in life. We're always getting to a next chapter. We're always leveling up, you know, but you got to go through something to reach that next level. And now it's like, I see people facing problems and then I have to backstep to relate. Cause sometimes I'm like, figure it out, dude. You know, like I want to be that person. So it's just like, Hey, figure it out, you know, or like suck it up. Let's go. Life sucks. Right. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. All those fun, famous lines, but you honestly have to go and take a step back and remember what it was like when you were in the fire, when you were in their shoes to truly coach them through it. For me, a lot of the times, Chad and a couple other guys literally figured out, that got me through a lot of stuff. You know, they didn't need to push me. They didn't need to hold my hand too much. It was just, Hey, they looked at me and said, Hey, figure it out. And you do, you really do. Um, I think maybe just the way mom and dad brought me up, you learned about that. You learned when someone said, figure it out, you figured it out. Um, But I learned I'm different from you. I'm different from everyone else. Me telling someone to figure it out might be an insult, you know? And then I should just say toughen up after that. But you know, like, Life hurts. Get a helmet. <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. for
0: sure. You
1: know, I don't. No, know. dude. I,
0: me, me, and you are on the same page with that. Like, I, did, I like that word as well because we're built for it. Built for the fight yeah. of life, right? Not only are we created for it, but we're we're built for it. Sorry, I keep looking over there. The, uh, I don't know if this was a punishment from the kids or something, but they let okay. the kitten out here and it's going through all my stuff. Uh, good, dude. It, I lots, know what It's uh, like to have
1: distractions rolling through the room.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's crazy. I'm shocked. one anyway. actually
1: walked in this room that I'm in.
0: Yeah. Isn't that wild? Like just how the timing I, I works out. Someone,
1: I thought someone would have walked in here for sure by now, but no one's walked in this room that I'm sitting in right now. So it you all, know, it happens.
0: Yeah. So uh, question, uh, another question, we are it going forward here. Um, what can people do? Because, I mean, did you've ran a podcast, you're buddies with all sorts of different entrepreneurs uh, that own different companies. You're one of the most networking genius guys I know. Like if there's somebody, if I need advice, I'm a networking guy. Like I love network. I love it. But like you're the guy that I go to to pick the brain on uh, like peeling back my kind of approach is a different, you know what I mean? My takeaway is that. So what can people do to make themselves more marketable for opportunities as they present themselves?
1: Um, you know, not being afraid to like, ask a question. The only stupid question out there is the one you don't ask. I think that's a big one. Again, you know, we all have people that are connect. You know, I have a list of people in my phone that when I don't know something or I need something or I, I got questions that I ask, right? I'm constantly phone calling people. Um, you know, the couple relationships I've been in in life, I haven't really dated too much because I have a crazy, crazy schedule. You know, I would, I would love to get married one day, but it doesn't always happen. But uh, one thing that girls that have dated me get annoyed about is how often my phone's ringing because, yeah. you know, people people are calling me asking for something or vice versa. I'm calling a buddy, you know, trying to make something happen. I think I really just surrounded myself with people like me, you know, my buddies, wives are the same way. You know, they get mad at all of us in the group because we're always just calling someone, talking to each other, figuring something out. You know, it's, it's a constant problem. It's a constant problem solving technique, right? You're, you're just, you don't know something ask the question, you know, just don't, don't care if you I look stupid, you know, if all you don't...
0: the time for that. Yeah. Too, dude. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it's the, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, and I came from a background of dad, mom and dad brought us up in 4-H, you know, doing, uh, raising pigs, steers, uh, lambs, all that stuff. And you, when you're in that lifestyle, you're working around people that are cattle ranchers and ranchers and farmers and so forth from that background. And you learn really quick what that small town community looks like is, you know, you're working or you're helping buddies, you know, when, when cattle brandings have to get done, you know, the ranchers call all the buddies to come over to brand cows. You know, when you got to go gather cattle, the ranchers are calling their buddies to come over to gather cows. You're constantly always working amongst each other. And just that uh, form of society was brought into me at a very young age from kindergarten. And those buddies are still some of my closest friends today. And we still operate the same way in life. We've gone down different avenues in life i have buddies that are big machinery operators firefighters hunting guides so forth they, I, the list expands forever but you know it's just always keeping that circle of friends very diverse you know don't let your circle of friends be all about the same interest that you guys are in because you're going to get stuck in that i mean yeah common interest is fine when it comes to hobbies but having just like buddies who are cops firefighters big machinery operators welders You never know when you're going to need that stuff when, you know, you're going to need every one of those at some point in your life to build your house, build your life, learn that form of protection, learn that form of safety. It it comes and goes. So just keeping that group of friends, you know, diverse, being able to um, mold with different types of people, always be willing to learn. That's the biggest one. That's probably like should have started with that. Just being willing to learn, know that you don't know and everything and accept that you don't know everything be humble when you go into situations i was about to say that
0: that word humble bro humble
1: i think the something that probably shot me in the foot a couple times in life is yes i have had cool experiences i have gone a lot of places i have done a lot of things um it's often hard for me to talk about life because people don't relate to the way i live and sometimes it could come off pompous that i've done everything been everywhere and You know, I've done everything twice kind of thing. Um, Shutting up, honestly, you know, I've had to, I've had to learn to shut up. I've had to learn to not talk about what I've done in life. I came from a background where you want to relate to someone in the crowd. So you use your life experience to relate to someone, but sometimes it just comes off of, Hey, I've done that too. And you're stealing the moment from someone that has only done that once or twice. And you're stealing that moment from them. Um, so you don't always have to relate to everyone in life. You don't always have to tell your stories and experiences, learn your crowd, learn the people you came from. There's a time and a place when you get to share what you've done, but be respectful of the other people in the room. And that's something that I have to learn all the time. Like, Hey, just because I've gone to these countries or I've done these things or I've met these people doesn't mean that I have to talk about it. Doesn't mean that I have to relate to it. Sometimes it's just like, dude, that's so rad that you got to do that tell me more about it. What was that country like? Even if I've been to that country, even if I've been there a hundred times, what was it like? Cause I want to, I need to hear your experience. You don't need to hear why I did that. I want to, you started the story. I want to hear about, it. you know, like, let me hear why you did that. And so that's, that's a takeaway that I have to even personally put upon myself is just dude, shut up. Honestly, just shut up and let, let people be people sometimes don't always think you have to, and don't always think that you have to interject into a situation even if you have experience because you'll know the timing when people want your advice and when they don't want your advice
0: yeah no dude that and man you couldn't have said that I couldn't have said that better myself like I, I it's funny that you say that in reflection yourself like I would say one of the things that shot me in the foot is humility too like I have to remember sometimes that like you said, just cause I have experiences that could come across very crass to certain people, even if you don't mean it to be, even if it's just you trying to be relatable to somebody, there's definitely a time to just listen, to not have to be, have something to say. Right. Like, and I, I would definitely say a hundred percent that I shot myself in the foot along those lines in my, not only in my career, just in relationships with people and opportunities probably to, that could have led to more. Um, so that that's a really interesting, uh, that's a really sound advice. Um, one more question for you here is, what's something you see missing character trait wise it, like in the workforce today?
1: Discipline. Mm.
0: Oh, don't get me started, damn it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, i mean honestly discipline like straight up it's just again you know and you know where i think where i think i see these things lacking is self-reflection where i'm lacking honestly that's really? what it comes down to yeah honestly uh, because you know you can't look at something and try to say it's something without you ever experiencing it so it's kind of like you know don't judge someone before you take the plank out of your own eye kind of thing. So it's uh, you know, there's definitely times in my life that I know I could be more disciplined towards something. I know I could be reading more. I know I could be looking more into something. I know I could be very lazy in a lot of aspects in life. And so it's actually a chore for me daily to remember those disciplines. I have certain things that I do every single day that I started a couple of years ago to make sure that I have certain disciplines in my life just to make maintain structure of something in my life. Um, keeping those structures keeps you disciplined on certain tasks in life. Cause if you could do a small task with discipline, you could do a large task with discipline. Don't take a large task on in the beginning when you're lacking complete discipline, start with something very small, start with something that's going to take a minute or two a day and let that build. Um, but just discipline, lack of ownership. You know, people want to blame someone else when something happens at work. Jocko and everyone's knows Jocko book of extreme ownership. Uh, it's truth. It really is. When something goes wrong, if you're involved in the situation, even if it's not your fault, take ownership. Don't blame it on something else just because something didn't work right. Don't say, Oh, the, the airplanes acting funny." Like, no, dude, what did you do? You, you know, you, you weren't flying properly and you put something together that wasn't supposed to go in that sequence. Like, Figure it out, you know, you're working on a you're working on a project and the the well didn't come out right. No, you you didn't take your time. You weld it too fast. You know, whatever it is, it's like if something broke and you were involved, own it. Don't blame the machinery. Own it. Hey, I screwed up. What do I got to do to make it right? So, yeah. you know, with discipline comes ownership and it all these things build together. But people want to skip steps 1 through 10 and just go to 10. They want success, but they don't want anything that leads to success, right? They don't want any of the steps that go along the way. Figure it out, you know. Read a book. Do something every single day that you repetitively do every single day. If it's working out, if it's reading a Bible verse, if it's reading two pages of a book, do something every single day to start that discipline. Because as your brain learns discipline, everything you do from there on out will have discipline behind it because you're training your brain to do it but we just lack discipline in society i don't care if it's from spanking your kid and telling him he's wrong in a situation or a discipline which is an actual reoccurring act that you're doing to a certain standard every single time it's keeping the standard of society and not letting things fall
0: that's incredible yeah no dude so and to to parlay that and then add to that every, every, you know, make it once a month, like add a task or once a quarter, you know what I'm saying? Once every few months, add a task. So um, Ed Milette said something that like the power, he has this book, the power of one more, and he's got that concept of one more, right? Like, so one more rep, one more step, one more mile, one more minute, whatever, right? Like that's the progression. And that's always kind of, uh, stuck stuck with me a little bit, just full transparency in certain things. But like you said, like read a book, make it two pages. Okay. Well uh, for me, like it's, I get up and I go to the gym and I read a book and I try to drink X amount of water a day. Right. And insert whatever else. Right. And like for now, like, cause I'm trying to grow like this podcast to help more people to reach more people and, and help Get this message out there to to encourage other people to dream bigger and to go more. So now it's and do, say, one item for the podcast every day or record X amount of shows this week or two shows this day. Whatever. I, You know what I'm saying? Add a progression to that discipline. And you'll notice as you do this more, your disciplines just just they keep coming and they keep coming. And then next thing you know, dude. These, what were, what was a task to read two pages turns into reading 25 in four or five minutes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it, it, that's inc- that's incredible advice. And I agree with you, dude, on the discipline thing. Like, discipline is missing. I see it, especially on the job site. I mean, you guys might think you're hiding it, but it shows. And like, this is where you got to look in the mirror and take accountability. Like, there, it shows everything you're lacking that you don't think people, that you're trying to hide and you don't think people could see, they could see it. Just to be clear, oh. like we, you can see it. You can see people's insufficiencies. You can see people's lack of discipline. So that was, dude, that, that's an incredible way. Well, listen, Matt, we took show, your time for, what was that?
1: Oh, you're, you're good. I mean, we show our best insecurities, right? I mean, we really yeah. do. As much as we try to hide them, we show them. Um, you know, I, I was reading a devotional this morning, uh, one of my morning devotionals. And uh, one of, the, one of the biggest takeaways that came out of this this morning was, You know, if you want followers, tweet about it, tweet about your achievements. You know, if you want real life, find friends that you talk about your experiences, your failures and what you're going to build off with each other, you know, and I I really took it to heart because uh, today everyone just wants followers. They don't care. You know, they really don't. They don't care about what people are doing and what people are seeing out there. They just they just want followers. But having a group of friends that's going to keep you accountable that you could be like, hey, bro. I messed up, I messed up bad, you know, I messed up in my relationship, I messed up in my marriage, I messed up at work, whatever it is, like, figure, you know, hash these out with true brothers. That's where we're going to build from society. So like, I've even taken a step back off of social media, just because it's like, all will share to support 30 seconds out Rockwell watches, you know, heatwave the buddies and stuff like that. But when it comes to my personal life it's private, you know, and there's a point that we need to go back to some privacy with our life. You know, It's good to talk about some achievements and stuff like that, but we also don't need to put everything out there. Just Another Failure Podcast was that idea that I had in my head that you build off of failures, that we start showing our failures to the world and not only showing our achievements because we only wanna talk about our achievements and we don't wanna talk about our failures. We don't want people to see our dirty laundry. That being said, You don't have to air out all your dirty laundry to the world. And I think people use social media sometimes to air out way too much personal information that the world doesn't need to know about. And not everyone needs to be a mental health patient at the end of the day. I mean, (laughs) there's people with mental health problems. I'm not not discrediting this stuff, but we don't need to create, we don't need to induce mental health when it's not there. You know, we need to be able to have that circle of friends where we trust that we talk about things in life. And we don't need to put everything out there for the world to see. I don't need to hear about someone's divorce and how nasty it's going in their life. I don't need that all over the internet. You know, I don't need to know about their cheating relationships and stuff like that. It sucks to get cheated on. It sucks to hurt, but the whole world doesn't need to know about when we got cheated on or we cheated on. So whatever it might be, the whole world doesn't need to know about this stuff. You know, that's a private conversation that needs to happen between you and God or you and some close friends. And so, people are getting way too comfortable putting too much personal information out there and it's disrupting the way of life of discipline because people are just thinking it's okay to live this way. And it's not, it's, it's really not not, okay to live that way. It's not tolerable either. Yeah, it's not. And you need to, people that are doing that, you need to find help and find a circle of people that you can trust. If you're a man, you need to find some men that you can trust in your life. If you're a woman, you need to try to find some good girls you can trust. There is a reason that we were created with men and women. There's a time for us to be married, man and woman. But there's also a healthy boundary for men to have men and women to have women in their life where they can interact and talk about things in their life because we are built completely different. You know, yes. women think one way, men think a different way. You know men don't need to be helping women with their struggles women need to be helping women with their struggles men need to help men with their struggles when it comes to marriage that's different you know man and wife came together and we are to work with each other amongst our struggles but there is a time for men and women to work amongst each other to help each other in our own genders for healing and moving forward
0: right no dude that's fantastic um Closing out the show, we've been going for an hour and 35 minutes and mm-hmm. I want to have more. We will always have more to talk about, but I want to have more to talk about in the studio uh, when we can get you here. Um, realistically, bro, what, what, what do you got for closing thoughts for us? Do you have a quote or books or what do you got for us? Close us out here. I
1: need, <laughs> I need to start reading more. Um, you know, a year and a half ago, in the years before that i was really trying to do like a book a month which isn't that much heavy readers will be like you need to up your numbers for me i thought that was an achievement um i've kind of fallen away from reading i need to get back into it i was doing some audible books which are fun but i actually like physically reading a book um all you know all time my favorite book's the bible i read the bible every single day of my life um I do a devotional in my Bible every single day. That's part of one of my disciplines. I do a devotional in my time with God when I first wake up in the morning. Uh, Seal of God by Chad Williams is a really, really, really good book. Um, great author. Uh, he talks about some really good life experience. He's an awesome mentor. His Instagram Seal of God. He's a great guy. Follow him. Um, you know, all the Lone survive, You know, Lone Survivor was a good book. All the Jack Carve Terminal List Blood. Uh, those are all great books. Um, Jocko's books are amazing, extreme ownership. Uh I generally I don't really read fantasy books. I read books with life lessons and stuff like that. I like war stories. Uh Lewis Lemour um was one of my favorite authors for a long time. I used to love Lewis Lemoore. The Last of the Breed is like one of my favorite, favorite books. It's a really cool, interesting survivalist book in The Last of the Breed. Um, I like Westerns and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I go to on my reading side. I like stuff that, you know of has some grit to it and it's going to build some of that savage nation <laughs> inside the back of your head but you know closing thoughts you know just uh i'll never force what i believe on anyone uh, yeah. jesus you know god doesn't do that uh revelations 320 shows us that he says i stand at the door and knock if he answers i will come in and eat and he will eat with me he doesn't say i'm going to kick the door down and believe in me god gives us free will so i'm never going to sit there and tell you I'm right and you're wrong. I'm going to, if you talk to me about my faith, I will show you why I believe in my faith and why I believe it is the way of life. I understand there's other faiths and cultures out there. I've studied a lot of them because, uh, art of war, right? Study your enemy. I'm not saying all religions are my enemy. I'm just saying study what the other side believes, know what you're, know what you're going into when you're having a conversation. You know, it really helps when you're talking to people with other faiths and other backgrounds, having some grit in their, um, in their story to understand what they believe. That way, you can just be like, "Hey, I understand that your scripture, you know, your your reading say this, and mine says this." You know, I would like to articulate why you guys believe that compared to what I believe is the word of truth. You know, I like having those real open conversations. But you know, for me, I would one hundred percent say, you know, look at the way things are happening in the world. Pick up Ezekiel in the Bible and start reading because there is some interesting end times prophecies coming out there. I am not saying live in fear, but just understand why things are happening in the way of the world. And it talks about it the Bible. It talks about present times in the Bible. Um, so I would really end with that. Just kind of dig in, you know, really figure out what life's about. Dig in and see where your heart's at. Evaluate your heart. Get some good friends around you. Don't quit. Never quit. You know, God has you pumping and breathing every single day. Don't quit. You're in a hard time. Find someone out there. Someone's, there's someone there, you know, you're not, you're not alone. You're, you're never alone. Someone is there, you know, reach out. I mean, that's the best thing I could tell people reach out. You know, I don't always respond on social media, but if you reach out and I see it, you know, I'll, I'll help point you in the right direction. You know, I, I can't help people. I can't solve problems, but I know people that can help. So, you know, I'm always willing to point someone in the right direction. So those are kind of, you know, some closing thoughts, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions.
0: Yeah, no, dude, that was great. And um you said a lot there in a good way. Just um I'm a reflector, right? Like I'm a pretty reflective person, so I think about Skype of shit. But no, you're you're right. You just ask questions and dig in, do your own research, digging in. You gotta dig in. That's what we're gonna yeah. leave this on You gotta dig in. And I actually I have a book recommendation for you too. It's uh Mark Bateman's uh Chase the lion, or chasing the. Oh, cool!
1: I've seen, I've seen that. I haven't read it yet, but I've seen that book.
0: I'll definitely check that out. Yes, that'll be right up your alley. It talks about why your big visions and big ambitions and why they're in your heart, and it, it, yeah, it's definitely right up your alley. Chasing the lion. I'd recommend that to anybody listening to the show, but specifically for you, my friend. I love. Well, Matt, it's been an hour forty minutes. It's time to let the people breathe. Me and you, we will get together yeah. soon again. I'm sure. Um, I really appreciate your time and your wisdom, and dude. And like I said, I appreciate your friendship more than anything. Um, I look forward to getting to talk to you again soon. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are the epitome of a blue collar barbarian to me. So <laughs> this was really cool to get to have you on. So, dude, thank,
1: thank you for having me. We'll definitely make it happen. I'll try to make my way up to Oregon to see you in person soon. (laughs) But, uh, dude, I'm stoked that we were able to take some time today. Thank you for being flexible on time. I'm sorry my schedule got all crazy this morning. But, uh, dude, thank you for being flexible and being really uh, ready just to sit down and talk. I love it, man. I I honestly do. There's days i miss doing the podcast. The reason we stopped doing the podcast was Devin and I just life got busy. Honestly, that's the best way to put it. Life got busy. Uh, I'm going to see him tonight. I haven't seen him in actually – almost a couple months. So I'm gonna go actually meet up with him tonight. I have a quick layover in town before I got to go back on the road. But um, maybe one day we'll bring it back. I don't know. I do miss having I hope these you do. they are they are fun, you know, they're fun to sit down and just hash life out with each other. And it's a it's a cool outlet. You know, it's just a cool way for us to sit down and just take a load off our shoulders and talk about life. Because a lot of the stuff we say on here I need to hear for myself anyways. And sometimes it's just cool hearing myself say it. So hundred yeah.
0: percent. No, thank dude. You, so no, thank you. And thank you to our audience. Please like, subscribe, follow around, follow Matt. If you're not following Matt, at the least, follow follow his the the companies that he's helped that he partners with and so show them some love. They're all grassroots, um, blue collar uh men and women that are just incredible. Just salt of the earth kind of companies and people that are behind them, like Rockwell watches, heat wave, thirty seconds out. Um and just Look at Matt, check out his stuff. You'll see him linked. You'll see him tagged and all the stuff that we do. Um, stay savage and dig in. Dig the hell in.